Welcome back to the Infinite Inquiry Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Jones. C.S. Lewis once wrote, Fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. He is a rebel who must lay down his arms. This quote reminds me of a painting I once saw in a Christian bookstore. It was a painting of a man holding a nail and a hammer, and the man was fainting, uh, about to fall down, because he realized that it was his sin that put Christ on the cross. And behind him in the painting is Christ holding him up. And it just shows how we bring absolutely nothing to the table in regards to our salvation. He accomplishes it all. I saw that painting several years ago in a Mardell Christian bookstore, and it always stuck with me that how powerful that image is that Christ actually is the one who holds us up. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about a certain type of idolatry that can easily sneak into our hearts. I know that it has snuck into my heart more times than I can count, and I'm very guilty of this. So in talking here today, I'm actually talking to myself as well. The idolatry that I'm talking about is the mode of thinking that because we serve God or because we are Christians, that He is somehow obligated to make our lives easy and free of worry and without any sort of suffering or persecution or anything. I know I'm guilty of this mode of thinking because you get in a, in a thing of like, a mode of God, I've served you, I've done this or I've done that, so why isn't this going right in my life? Or why am I going through this trial? Or such and so on. And I think part of this in American culture is from our exposure, whether directly or indirectly, to the prosperity gospel, which teaches this very thing that God is somehow obligated to bless us if we serve Him, if we tithe, or whatever. So I've had to, over years, have had to purge this kind of thinking out of my head. I mean, it's been very convicting. You know, over this last Christmas break, this came to my thoughts when I was thinking about in the story about Joseph and Mary going to Bethlehem, how hard that journey must have been. Joseph had been told in a dream that the Son of God was about to be born. So he has this enormous burden on him already, like, I have to get them to Bethlehem. I have to take care of Mary and get her there. And so he's along the way. I'm sure it's cold outside. It's, it's getting late. and He's thinking, okay, the red carpet's going to roll out any minute. We're going to get some sort of sign from heaven that that we're led into this palace or we're led into somewhere where this baby can be born. But that doesn't ever happen. As a matter of fact, he goes from place to place, house to house, can't find anywhere that will let them stay. He ends up in a barn where the Son of God, the Holy Son of God, a one-time event in human history, the most important event in human history. And he can't find anywhere for this baby to be born, so he has to go to a barn, and Jesus lays in a manger in a cattle trough. And the whole time, Joseph must be stressed out of his mind, thinking, did I really hear God? Is this really, has God really spoken to me? If Why hasn't God just magically opened the, the door of a, a palace or something for me to have taken them to? And so I think the lesson here is that sometimes we have God tell us things in our lives and then tell us to do certain things, maybe to get involved in certain ministries, maybe to help at church or maybe to do whatever. And you start to doubt yourself or you start to doubt really what God has called you to do sometimes when things get difficult. And I think that when we are serving God focused on comfort or focusing on how the road is just supposed to be paved right in front of us, we miss sometimes what God is trying to do in our lives. Because when we see difficulties, we think, well, this must not be what God has for us. Just because, just because you're in God's will doesn't mean everything is going to line up perfectly and everything is going to be easy. 
And let me repeat that. Just because you're in God's will doesn't mean everything is going to line up perfectly and everything is going to go perfectly easy in your life. I think we expect to see the Red Sea part. And sometimes instead we get the Jordan River. Let me explain that. Because when uh, Moses led the, the uh, Israelites to the Red Sea, they were being chased by the Egyptians. Of course, you know the story. The Red Sea parted. I mean, it literally parted miraculously, powerfully. And they knew where they had to go. They're like, we're walking in between the water and we're going across to the other side. I mean, it was a miraculous event in history. But we look at our lives sometimes and what God has us do is more like what happened when they also had a lesser known story when the children of Israel had to cross the Jordan River with the Ark of the Covenant. When they crossed the Jordan River, the priests, the, the Levites were carrying the Ark and they were instructed to wa- start walking into the water. And the water hadn't even parted or anything. No path was made. They were instructed, okay, start walking, get your feet in the water, start walking in. And until they had done that, the water had not receded. So sometimes the path requires faith. Sometimes it requires that we take a step, that we walk into the water, even when we don't see the path, even when we see, even when things don't seem easy. I saw a guy on Twitter the other day who calls himself the preacher put this post out. It said, Sometimes you may not get what you want because God knows you deserve something better. If you believe in God's plan for your life, type amen. My response to that post was, actually, we don't deserve better. We deserve judgment. We deserve hell. Man is not righteous enough to deserve anything, and God is not obligated to give us anything just to simply make our lives comfortable. Paul followed God harder than anyone. The result, God said to Paul, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And that was from Acts chapter 9, verse 16. So (laughs) you think about that. Paul, and by the way, the the guy did not respond to that Twitter post that I, I put on there because the idea was that you deserve for God to give you something better. We don't. That is not why we should be serving God. Paul served God so close and with all his might, God's response was, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. That just seems so different than what we're taught a lot of times today, or the way we think, I should say, in our Western world, is that we deserve comfort, we deserve this, we deserve that, but that's not what we're seeing here. As a matter of fact, I want to read kind of a long passage. This is Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 23. This is about Paul. It says, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city. So they hit Paul with rocks, and to the point, it says, they dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, not a hundred days later, not 50 days later, not 20 days later, it says, on the next day, He went on with Barnabas to Derbe, and when they had preached the gospel to that city, he made many disciples, and they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. So Paul is preaching the gospel in this city. And they pick up rocks and they hit him so many times that they thought he was dead. And the other disciples had to 
drag him out of there. And they all thought he was dead. And the very next day, Paul is preaching again. So Paul goes into the city the next day looking like Rocky Balboa after he had had a fight with Apollo Creed and preaches the gospel. How incredible is that? I know I would have probably been in the hospital and would have been acting like a baby for the next two years after something like that. I'm sure Paul had teeth missing and his face was probably completely disheveled and broken bones, all kinds of things, and he's there preaching the gospel. His response was, it is with many trials and tribulations that we enter the kingdom of God. So when he said that, you think, well, so where's this gospel of comfort? Jesus' response is, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. That is such an amazing word from Christ. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So what motivated Paul to act like this, to have that kind of bravery? I'll tell you what it was. It was Paul's love for Christ. The love of Christ that surpasses all human knowledge. Paul wanted to simply know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul served Jesus not to be comfortable and get everything he wanted in life, a new swimming pool, a giant house, a nice car, whatever. He served Jesus because he knew that Jesus was worthy of it. Now, I read a saying online a few months back that said, if you want to follow Jesus because he'll fix your marriage, if you want to follow Jesus because he'll give you a better life, that's idolatry. Follow Christ for the sake of Christ. He is worthy. So how do we fight this idolatry of comfort in our lives? I think that's the key. We realize that we are not worthy and he is worthy. And I think that's most evident in a song that I heard a while back, and it's by a group called Shane and Shane. It's called, Is He Worthy? And that song is based off of Revelation chapter 5. And I think Revelation 5 is some of the most beautiful words ever uttered in any language. I would like to read that entire chapter right now. So it says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back with seven seals. And bear in mind, this is, this is in Revelation. This is talking about our future, our not-too-distant future, and what's going to happen. And so he says, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look onto it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So there's a heavenly court here in the book of Revelation, and they are looking for someone, anyone in heaven and earth, who can open the seal, who can take the scroll, No one is found worthy, and then boom, Jesus shows up. And so the scriptures go on to say, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, 
which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might, and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Just that description right there is just complete adoration for Christ, for the Lamb, because only He is worthy. What does it say in Isaiah chapter 53, one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible? It says, All of us like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Only one perfect person has ever walked this planet, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Just think about that. Knowing what Christ has done for us, knowing that he has done this for us, he has purchased us with his own blood, we should be willing to do whatever it takes to honor him and bring glory to his name, whether we get any earthly blessings or not, whether we get persecuted or not, whether we have earthly comforts or not, whether we get a big house, a nice car, a certain relationship, whatever. We do not worship him because we are seeking things from him. We worship him because he is the everlasting son of the living God, and he alone is worthy of all honor and glory and power and praise. Only in Christ are all things made new. The glory and power of God will soon be revealed in Christ and for the whole world to see. I believe that that is coming soon. I believe that Christ is soon to return and that his glory will be made manifest to the entire world. So what is our response? Do we seek comforts or do we seek Christ? The scripture says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Again, that's in the book of James, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Lift your hands and praise to him who is eternal in the heavens and is worthy of all of our adoration. We worship him not for the comforts he gives, but for simply who he is, that he is the one true eternal God. Jesus, when he was here, he didn't say, I know the way. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, I have the truth or I speak the truth. He said, I am the truth. Jesus didn't say, I know the path to life. He said, I am life. In him is true life. He is, he is eternal life and he is eternal and he is worthy of all honor and glory and power and praise. As we look to our path, do we chase earthly comforts? Do we seek God for just our earthly comforts or for the blessings that he could potentially give us? No. We see Christ because of who he is, and that will root the idolatry of comfort out of our hearts. In our next episode, I would like us to go further in talking about the adoration, and we have touched on it in this scripture from Revelation, but the type of adoration that we should have for Christ, who is our treasure. As we continue with him, I want to continue in prayer for all the listeners, and I hope that you guys are being blessed by this podcast. If you are, I I want you to subscribe or hit the like button and uh, leave some comments or critiques of the podcast. would love to hear from you guys. And in the future, we are going to have a few more guest speakers coming. And I just hope and pray that this is beneficial and that it uplifts your spirit and makes you want to seek after Christ even more. In the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.